This episode of the e-commerce playbook podcast is brought to you by Parker, the credit card built exclusively for e-commerce. Get ready for this. You can free up cash flow and grow your business by getting net 60 terms on every transaction. You did not hear that wrong. Net 60 terms on every transaction. Go to getparker.com or check out the show notes to learn more. Hello and welcome to the e-commerce playbook podcast. My name is Andrew Ferris. Thanks so much for joining me for another episode of the show. This is going to be a different episode than we normally do, an interview with the man himself, Aaron Orendorf. If you have followed anything related to CTC's content over the last couple of years, Aaron has been somewhere in the heart of it. And today, what we're gonna talk about is, I think it's fair to say the most significant piece of content that Aaron and his team and CTC have yet to produce that is public facing. It's unbelievable. It's, today's episode is gonna be about Aaron and his team's enterprise scaling guide. I'll let him talk through what is going on here, but you're gonna wanna hear this. You're gonna wanna check this out. Obviously, all the links will be in the show notes as usual. Let's not delay it anymore. Let's jump right in and we'll greet Aaron, get him going and have him tell us why this matters so much. Aaron, you might have listened to more e-commerce playbook podcasts than anybody ever, but have you been on like two ever, maybe one? And like, never in the hot seat. Whenever no. I get to come on this show, I'm always getting to put someone else, you, Taylor, Orchid, etc., in the hot seat. So this is the first time I get to be here fielding questions. And in honor of you, we decided <laughs> if you're joining us on YouTube, we're going to put this up, coordinated hats. We got some color scheme going, yeah, right? Feel yeah. that vibe, dear listener. We've both got the original FC Goods Signature Series hat. I'm still really fond of this hat and the series of hats. Shout out to Robbie Aronson, who designed them. Reference to the 1970s Philadelphia Phillies. I know, Aaron, that's why you bought the hat was because of your deep love of the 1970s Philadelphia Phillies. Not because the deep secret to all of my productivity is limiting my choices, which is why I pop on that hat. I got such a thick Alec Baldwin head of hair underneath this, but it takes so much time. Man, <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Deep into baseball for sure, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yours is also like the well kept, beautiful version. Mine is the it's actually now my like I've worn it too much now. It's like one of it's like one of my beater hats now. It's like a when I'm gonna go play sports or work out or something like that. I want to wear a hat. So anyway, here we are. We're ready to talk about this. This is not a hat podcast. That's our side podcast. You'll have to find that separately to hear Aaron and I talk about hats. No, let's talk about this. So I said it in the intro, but the Enterprise Scaling Guide white paper is a new resource from CTC. At the time of releasing this, will it be live or will it still be pre-order? It's technically still at the pre-order price, although it is freaking done. And when I say freaking, I mean like I'm censoring myself for that <laughs> and in case there's children in the room. I have danced around this a bit on social media as this sort of got developed and put released. And it's without hyperbole, the most I've bled, sweat, poured, shook my fists at the heavens in certain moments. Boy, thing that I've ever had the great privilege of putting together. So it's done. My goodness, it's freaking done. Yep. And uh, if you're listening to this, probably going to be live with the pre-order price for like another few days, I would say maybe till like mid-August or early August, depending on when this comes out. So as I speak this now, you can still go get it. We'll make sure that that's true by the time yeah. this releases Great. as well. And I don't want this to just be an ad. Like I think like what's really helpful here is to take the concepts from this and talk about them big picture. And the, what I think is so amazing, but so it's like a hundred pages or something, right? It's like a massive white paper. It is incredibly detailed. 
And that is, I think, what the beauty of this is. There's a lot of information on the internet about how to grow an e-commerce business. But what is unique, I think, about this is the combination of high-level strategy combined with the, I mean, down to the details of exactly how to execute what we are doing. Like, And so that was my impression when I first looked it over was like, I can't believe how much this takes you from big picture to the details and back over and over again. And, my, and that's, I think, part of what great teaching is. And this is what this is. It's like great communication in that respect is the ability to sort of take people through those the ideas like that down to how to execute them, really. So I think this is going to be an incredible help to a lot of people. But maybe you can talk through sort of the big picture approach and sort of an end-to-end, what is the sort of standpoint or viewpoint of the paper or of the white paper in terms of how to grow an e-commerce business? Walk through the sort of big picture strategy that this is unpacking, because I think that will help sort of organize people around what is so great about this. It's centered on three fundamental problems that over the last, I would say two years, we at Common Thread Collective have at first stumbled into, sort of fallen over backwards into a number of legitimately enterprise-sized clients. And this is from sort of like the bottom-up digitally native vertical brand growing into this 25 mil plus 50 mil range, in addition to sort of from the top down of traditional wholesalers, retailers coming into e-commerce as a legitimate channel and meeting at this intersection right around that $50 million mark and having this collection of problems, symptoms that we've seen over and over again, both on the executional side, as well as just going through the audits. And I know you've been a part of a number of these as well on the front lines of looking through people's data and coming to see that there's this collection of number one, a misalignment on what metrics actually matter and how do those metrics align to one another? So that's going to be the first part of what we really unpack is how do you nail what you're actually aiming for? And then, my gosh, like right inside that, that alignment idea of in a large organization, how do the media buyers ladder up into the on-site merchandisers, ladder up into you know inventory and product development, all the way up to the executive suite? Is the idea is how do we create agreement across those? On the metrics. A second fundamental problem we've seen is just this rising inefficiency, degrading efficiency, that everything you'll see this year is about how much more expensive it is to acquire customers. And there's this trap that particularly large brands with large customer files, large customer databases fall into that will hide what's gone wrong and actually look good on paper, on a PL for three to six months, maybe even longer, depending on the sort of runway that you've got. And then the third has to do with the data analytics and how does that stack up into a forecast? And like a forecast, I love the way Taylor Holiday talks about this, that when you're building a forecast, once you've set it, you've done all that hard work, the idea isn't so much just to know when, like to be right, to have predicted correctly. It's far more about creating like tripwires along the way to be able to measure and get early warning signs that something's gone wrong and this is where it's gone wrong. It's gone wrong at the ad level. It's gone wrong at the new customer level or the existing customer level or the lapsed customers have increased or it's gone wrong at the order level or AOV or LTV or how does that all then add up to the contribution margin, the actual dollars you're trying to put into your pocket for enterprise value. So those are like the three big buckets of misaligned metrics, decreasing efficiency and forecasting, how to build an actual forecast. And the thesis is that how you scale past $50 million in annual revenue. It's so counterintuitive that very few 
directors of acquisition, directors of e-commerce, especially folks at the executive level, simply will not think of it. And it's to lean into that crumbling efficiency, to prioritize new customers, and to do that with as much responsibility as you possibly can. To answer the question, it's really this horizon idea. When do we need to be profitable? And the answer cannot be today, tomorrow, and always. There are seasons and there are times to maximize acquisition and to maximize profitability. And that's really the maze we're trying to guide people through in this 100-page beast. Yeah, I I think what that overview makes me think of is... I think the thing that's really helped me the most, especially, honestly, after going from 4 by 400 back into CTC and just getting a little closer to the kind of thinking that's developed in that organization is the emphasis on sort of the concept of a map, basically. The notion that like, if you are going to grow a business and to do that efficiently and effectively and to put your priorities in the right place, it really starts with sort of these genetic elements, these genetic components of a business, which is just sort of like orders and customers, I would say. That's really what it comes down to, right? Those two things, or maybe products and customers. And then essentially how those two relate and where those take you. So if you just think about the notion of like, okay, well, where are you trying to go to? Any of the good scaling literature on sort of scaling organizations, whether it's whether it's scaling up or EOS, like, uh, you know, traction, any of those are going to start with that question, sort of like, where are you going? What's the goal? How do you do that? And to think about that at the business level around, you know, your revenue targets and all that. But then to break that down further into these atomic elements, which are like, okay, here's how much margin you have. Here's how many times a customer buys on average. Let's take those two things put them together and figure out, well, that gives you sort of available CAC, how much a customer's worth. And then from there to say, like, how do you then map the growth of your business relative to how those two things work? And like you said, your LTV, for example, doesn't actually work out to be like, okay, a customer buys something and then then they, and then on average, they spend 10% more the next month and 8% more the next month and 6% more the next month and 4% until they degrade totally, whatever. Like it doesn't really work that way because there are seasonality factors and there are product releases and there are discounts and there are you know special offers and all those kinds of things. And those are these moments where you're really aiming at driving profitability versus acquisition and thinking about all those elements. And basically, what all of that right there is a lot. But what I think you guys have accomplished here is sort of been able to walk people through, hold their hand through how to forecast your business around those sorts of things. And what I really like about that is the sort of centerpiece, there's three parts of this and they correlate to the three main problems that I just talked about in that one thesis. In part one of this, we talk about a hierarchy of metrics. And so we want to establish, and it's painful sometimes to go into these large organizations and realize that people are misaligned. They have different incentives. And so the various teams that are inside of the businesses aren't really all, you're just not moving towards the same goal. So how do we get on the same page? And for us, that's about really saying, okay, first and foremost is the financial metrics, right? Our marketing efforts, marketing efforts in particular, marketing efforts, winning or losing. And this is all about contribution margin as a dollar value, not a percentage. So we walk through, you know, cost of delivery, what we mean by that, cogs, everything it costs to get your product from non-existent in your customer's hands, breaking it down either by average skew, et cetera, to find out what does winning look like to us month over month of actual dollars in our pockets. But back behind that are sort of the second level of business metrics where we've got order revenue, ad spend, uh, what we talk about is MER marketing efficiency rating, sort of the North Star of all of your marketing revenue divided by all of your marketing spend. And then of course, AOV, 
And we can go one level down below that into our customer metrics where we're trying to track what is the total number of new customers, what's new customer acquisition cost per new customer, AMER, acquisition MER. So they were just looking at new customer revenue divided by spend aimed at new customers. And then there we get into also repeat rate and LTV. The place this falls apart, and this is why I like walking through these pieces, is really at the fourth level of channel metrics, where you are then looking inside where most of the ad buyer time, the tactical marketing time takes place, ROAS and cost, CPM, CPC, CPA, those sort of pieces. And what that builds to, what I love about this, and this, this sounds like such a like simple idea, is not only creating that structural framework where we can all agree on how these metrics line up into one another, but also saying like, what we're going to do is actually create formulas where our forecast exhaustively actually ladders up tab by tab, spreadsheet by spreadsheet into how do we determine the inputs and then the outputs that we're driving at. And that's where it's like that piece where you talked about like from the big picture principle, like, right, we can talk about like, here's the, this is why I see constantly, like, here's the hierarchy of metrics. And you got really pretty breakdowns of those four different types, but where it ends typically is so go figure out how to put all that together. And that's what we didn't want this to be about because that's not what we do with the businesses that we work with. We say, okay, we know what all these inputs are. Now we really just have to map them against each other. And it's simply a matter of formulas inside spreadsheets, inside tabs to give us a real clear picture of if this changes, what happens across the board. That's like the two extremes of what's really going on in, inside of this guide. Yeah, I mean, I remember after not working on a, not working with any growth teams for a little while. For for a few months here, I was doing some growth team work at CTC, just kind of like essentially subbing for some growth guides at the growth strategies at CTC. And one of the things that really amazed me that was really different from when I had previously been the growth strategist CTC, went over four four by four hundred and came back was just how well built out that framework was. It actually, to be honest with you, made it really hard for me to do the work very well because I was sort of relying on these old muscles that I had built up, which was sort of like, yeah, Andrew has a basic sense of how to do these things. And it turns out that's like wrong often. Like if you listen to the 4x400 journey, you'll you'll know that there were plenty of times where that did not serve me very well. And what has happened instead, the reason it was hard for me to pick up at first was because then I discovered that there's all of this internal process that had been clarified about how to actually go and do that. And it's really helpful stuff. And so I was like working sort of outside this process. And I think we did okay, you know, with the, the clients that we had. I'm proud of the work that, that happened in that time. But like as a long-term solution, I was not a very good fit until I was able to go do that. And what I think like this white paper does is it clarifies a lot of that. So let me give you like a really specific example. Taylor has this like this idea that he has mentioned before that I really love, which is $2 of creative for every $1 of spend. And the notion is most ad creative doesn't work. Lots and lots of ad creative doesn't work, even if you're a really good advertiser. It's just really hard to predict what's going to win and what's not. You've heard me on the show say that before, that like, no matter how long I've been around it, I'm incapable of predicting which ads are going to work and which ones are not, right? Like, if you think about that premise, that means that you need it more creative developed than the amount of dollars that you want to spend to support that creative. And what I mean is like, if you have a projection of how much you spend in ad dollars to accomplish what you want to accomplish in customer acquisition, let's say your goal is to spend $100,000 to two-to-one ROAS or whatever. If that's the goal, then that means you need $100,000 worth of creative essentially to support that spend. And so that means what you really need, if most of that is not going to work, is $200,000 worth of creative. You need enough ideas to do that. But even as I start to talk about that, there becomes this problem, which is that like, 
How much creative is that? How you determine how much that is? You determine that by what is your CAC target? How many purchases is $100,000 going to get you out of two to one ROAS? Well, if your CAC is $50 and you want a two to one ROAS, that means it's $100 in revenue. And so that means you need whatever. The point is, you can go from there to basically laddering all the way back to a forecast and an LTV to CAC calculation to say, okay, my forecast is this much money in spend. If I want to do that, then that's this many purchases that I'm trying to create, which gives me this many new customers. And the way to get that many new customers is to do this much in ad spend in this channel. And to do that much ad spend in that much channel, I'm going to need this much creative. And it just clarifies every single piece of that puzzle in this way that's like incredible. And what I think is the hardest thing for an e-commerce brand, whether you actually, whether you're established or not, I have not found this to be that different for large brands and small brands. In some ways, it's maybe a little more pronounced for small brands is the pure volume of things that can grab your attention. It's just so hard to keep focused on the most important thing next. It's hard for me. It's hard for everybody. Um, and what I think this does is gives you organizing principles to go do exactly this and align everybody towards very clear goals. And the beauty is, if you got lost in all the things that I just said and Aaron just said, like I said, like we can't actually go through all the details in a 100-page white paper on this podcast. And I think that's where you'll be really, really helped. So to me, this is like a revolutionary thing. Like to, to be able to build a forecast built off of LTV to CAC in a really clear way, where's profitability in your business, go from there. And then when you're wrong, to know exactly why something went wrong, where it went wrong, and then to go attack the core problems and the key leverage points in your business is just so, so helpful. So you really can get to the point where you can let small fires burn, which is actually kind of the key to the whole thing, You know, figuring out where the best use of your energy actually is. If you can most times put your best energy into the most important problems, you're going to win. And this will help you identify what those problems are. Well, and it forces you too to get nuanced. And some of these problems don't become pronounced until you're at scale. Like, like for example, you talking about the amount of ad creative you need for new customer spend. Yeah. And one of the things that really like blew me away going through this process was the level of detail that goes into understanding not all order values are average order values. And there's a fundamental divide. Now, this can be, this might be true, it might not be true of your particular business, but you don't ever know until you actually dig into the data to find out. And what we saw with the number of the models that we built, because we did this time and time again through the creation process of this, is actually use real businesses right on that cusp and put all of their data, is that there are wide swings, not only between different average order value buckets. So we work through like the AOV histogram as one of the parts, like saying, you can't just increase AOV because AOV is one of those it's real in a mathematical sense, but that's not how people shop because that's not how products, product combinations come together. That there's actually, there's a tiered volume of orders by frequency, and those all have average values. So the idea is like, how do I move a person from a, if the largest order value bucket that I've got is 20 to $25, how do I move them into the 35 to $45 range? So there's this nuance there, but then this is the thing that blew me away. I had no idea this was true, that returning customer AOV versus new customer AOV is a fundamental distinction, especially at scale of how much you can afford to spend on new customers by channel. And it was that like by channel division and the fact that there is an, like you have to build into your forecast, not just the total number of orders, new versus old, but the actual average order values of new versus older, new versus existing and returning customers. And it's only when you put like all of this information into these growth maps, the, 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 the templates that we've created, where you see like, oh my gosh, I change one input that can have massive effects across the board. Or I can see how actually moving this particular needle for me doesn't accomplish anything at the contribution margin level. 
right? It sort of forces you to play within these different lanes of real inputs, not just ideas. Yeah. The returning customer thing is such a good example. I It's actually really obvious when you think about it, right? Which is that like somebody new to the business versus returning to the business is going to be worth a different amount of money to the business because in many cases, they're actually accessing different products, right? Like, Or they're getting a larger size of the product they tried out or whatever. I mean, depending on the business, it's going to be sort of obvious to you. Just think about that. Just think about that for in your business. Is a new customer and a returning customer worth the same amount of money? Just think about what they are likely to buy in your business. It's probably all kinds of different stuff, right? So, so the answer is obviously not. But then to actually like roll that into a forecast or whatever, of course you should do that. Of course you should do that. It makes all the sense in the world that you should do that because they are different. They are just going to be different. And it's just stuff like that that you just sort of forget about. I think like it, it also sort of fulfills to me like one of the major points that Taylor has also said. We're referencing him a lot here. Maybe we should have had him on too. Yeah, if people have heard enough from him. But one of the things that Taylor says is that sort of one of the values of an ad agency or an agency of any kind really is the ability to accumulate knowledge. Essentially, they have institutional knowledge from working across a lot of different things. That's the thing that they have that no in-house person can ever have. And I, I just know for a fact, I've talked about this a lot even recently, just that like when you have all your experience in one brand, it's just really hard to say things that are transferable to other brands because actually other brands are pretty different than yours until you figure out what things are really transferable. For example, AOVs are probably different in one business than another, whatever. I mean, that's pretty transferable. But what I think is so helpful about concepts like that and then sort of the whole process here is... It is actually the sort of centralization in one document of a whole bunch of institutional knowledge in one place. And so like that AOB point, right? It's really obvious, but actually like when you start seeing it in business after business after business, it becomes really clear. There's actually a major factor in a lot of businesses to how they generate profitability and to understand that's really important for how you move customers through it. And by the way, this is one people, this is one thing people don't fully understand about, I think maybe don't know about you and one of your greatest gifts, Aaron, is the ability to soak in knowledge from a lot of different people all in one place and all of this stuff. And then just like, communicated out with clarity. It's very impressive. And this document might be sort of the crowning jewel of that whole thing, the ability that you had to collect that. I know you worked with the team to do it and that it wasn't all you, but it's crazy. It's crazy how much you see that. It's like, this is the way. I'm going to add to your compliment. No, there was a sense in which, and I imagine business owner, anybody in a director position can already sort of understand and identify this pain of when the pieces of data you're playing with don't actually sum up to, like the equation doesn't make sense. I thought, and, and average order value is a really good one, but so is like customer acquisition costs and really thinking hard about how much can we afford right now? Are we in a stage where we are trying to amass new customers? Is it related to seasonality and product expansion? And then how do I communicate that outward and upward, particularly upward, so that the powers that be, the folks that I'm accountable to and have to look good to in my career job depend on, can can understand that this is an intentional move. And a lot of the pieces in this, the idea of it being counterintuitive of, we never at any point in this guide talk about taking a loss because we are too bound to contribution margin and profitability. It's too much in our bones to say anything yeah. like that. Yeah. But to intentionally say now is the time to, you know, for another metaphor is to fill the sponge. So now is the time to aggressively acquire new customers in conjunction with the marketing calendar and product releases, those sort of factors. And then to bake into the idea of then we can turn it on. Uh, we can squeeze it out. What's hard in that is if you don't know what the right inputs are. And that's part of what the gift of that was doing this whole process to me yeah. of really yeah. understanding all the, the nuance that goes into it, that really granular level, and then forcing it to all be interconnected to add up to the sum. 
it's funny though. Like you say, we don't ever say take a loss and that's true, right? But you could use this to do that. You just would change the targets. And if your goal was like grow a giant thing because you took on VC and all you care about is growth and size and being able to make a point that this thing is going to keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. If that's what you really wanted to do, it would actually still work because all you have to do is sort of change the basic inputs and change where the revenue layers are and all that kind of stuff and say like, because you still have a target. You're still trying to hit something. Uh, yeah, you know. as long as there's that clear like alignment on the target and we can right. all agree on right. who owns what in that process. Right. Yes, absolutely. I think part of my point is that's where this actually becomes by starting with a target in the map. This actually becomes really useful for a lot of different businesses. Like I know it's called the enterprise scaling white paper. But like yeah. I think if you gave this to somebody who was literally starting from day one, they would have a really hard time projecting the L the LTV, right? But you could still tell them, like, project it conservatively and start. Yeah, it would still probably work. It works very well for a lot of different businesses, I think. Well, and also to free yourself up from a myopic view of what's in front of you. Like when you're the operator, depending on what your domain of expertise is. Right? And this is where a lot of the pain comes from is arbitrary goals or percent growth goals kind of things, which right. God, oh, totally. right? of any year to be like, what? Because totally. the, yeah, there's this disconnect as well on the media buying side as it relates to the overall business goals and how does the media buying in platform. That's one of the things you really stress inside this guide is you're still, you're still beholden to the platform needing targets that it can optimize Absolutely. as well. And what are those targets that get me to, based on historical data? Huh? So it does, a huge leg up. The more you plug into this, the more certain you can be moving forward that this is a reliable, uncomfortable place to be. And maybe even a better way to say the thesis of this entire thing is, effectively, yeah, th this might be a really good point to sort of like build a crescendo on, and then I'll have one final reveal. It's this idea that whoever confronts the most and still meets, whether it's profit or revenue, whoever that ultimate target is, whoever can front the highest CAC and still win, wins. And That's it's right. getting as close as you can to that line, particularly in a season like right now where it's so difficult to grow and get those new customers. And yet they're so necessary to see that interlock between the customers, right? This is one of those pieces like next month's revenue the thing that is most contingent on next month's revenue is this month's revenue. And now this is changes based on the kind of product, but it's building that kind of like layered cake of the customers we get today are going to be that reliable base upon which we can front that higher, more unreliable CAC and paid media that's so up and down. So it's creating that interconnection. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. Okay. Listen, I don't want to drag this out too far. So you just said you have a big reveal and I, I, you know, I don't want the people to wait. I want to get to it. So go ahead. Tell us what's the last big piece of this. Okay. Big, the big reveal here. After months, I'm going to stress this right here, months in <laughs> freaking trenches of this thing. And in particular, not just building out the principles of it, like a hierarchy of metrics with a shrinking sponge or LTV to CAC in tight windows. There's all these principles that go into it. It was really in the building of multiple growth maps, multiple forecast models from businesses that are right around that 40 to 60, a couple of them were like 80, real businesses that we have data to. It hit me. This was the like overwhelming, like a wave of realization one day. And it's going to sound so basic. There are three ways to grow a business. Right? <laughs> Tell me. You increase margin, which is a combination one way or another of decreasing costs or increasing price. So you increase margin, you sell to more new people, or you sell more to the people who already buy from you. Yep. And for me, that was like, oh, dude, I could have cited that chapter in verse. I don't know where I eventually heard it. 
But the discipline of this is like the ultimate gift for me of building out multiple of these growth maps was I remember hitting this point where I was trying to be like, well, how do I make this sub 40 become a 50? Right. I was looking for all these. Well, like, what are the levers that you pull? And it finally hit me at the end of this one day. I'm like, oh, I have to actually change real numbers on one of these three fronts. Yep. Or it doesn't add yep. up to, I can't just say, let's go make another 3 million. It's like, where is that going to come from? It's got to get down to, are we moving AOV? Are we moving LTV? Are we decreasing CAC? Hey, we're probably not gonna be able to decrease CAC. That's a dangerous game to play. Can we increase the number of returning customers? Can we create a seasonal moment? Because that's what we saw over and over again in a number of these brands too, is they have these spike months from like the Fort Peaks marketing calendar where they they actually do have like returning customers in droves and pay does get a lot more efficient for them. It sounds so basic, but to force yourself into what numbers are going to actually influence that. How can you, that to me was the ultimate clarity of doing something like this and the real gift of it. Yeah, I think that is so helpful. I mean, part of that is exactly like you said, which is just like doing this kind of work. It ends up making it so that you go from ideas that you can recite to actually developing convictions. And I remember, I think I did an episode about that at one point, just that like, there is a difference between doing the work and feeling it in your bones versus, and especially for your team, versus like knowing the right things to do. And mostly I think experience is the thing that gives you that conviction is that like when you actually do it. So you, like you said, like you go build these growth maps and suddenly you're like, oh my gosh, this thing that I could have already cited chapter and verse, like I, I now know exactly what it feels like to feel like, oh, that's what I, so if I was running this business, this is what I would have to go work on, you know? But it also comes back to that same thing, which is that the genetic component, the genetic elements, right? The atomic elements of every, every business are actually just products and customers, right? And so if you just think about it, like you can get more new customers, you can get customers that you already have to buy more, or you can make the products create margin on the product, you know? It's like, that's it. And that, and those, those are the only three things. And that's because at the end of the day is people buying stuff. And so there's the people and the stuff. And so you got to figure out how to make those two things work together. And an LTV to CAC model basically does that. It just says like, that's the two things. How do we go use that to go forecast everything about the business? So, all right. Yeah. I, is there anything else that we need to say, Aaron, before I before I go into the outro and, and all that kind of stuff? I'm excited about this. I think, it's, I think it's an incredible resource and I really think it'll help people a lot. I think it'll be the best money people spend on their business. Honest to goodness. I, like if you're working with CTC and you are, had read this already or something like that, you'll just be able to use this stuff better. It's going to, I think, really help people a lot. So anything else that, that I missed there? I just want to end by hawking this with a heart. And I mean that, hawking this with a heart. Right now, like we said at the top of it, it's available for pre-order. It's about $1,000. It's $995. We're going to give you 30 days of Statless, which is the in-house e-commerce analytics platform the number of folks outside of CTC now use. That's going to be the basis to pull all of your data into to make that the growing or the building of the map uh, as simple as possible. We've had just incredible step-by-step instructions inside of it of like, go to this report, export to these numbers. This is what you balance check it against, that sort of thing. But when I say hockey with a heart, like this is the first thing I've ever made in my my illustrious career as a marketer and primarily as a content marketer. That That's my jam. That's your deal. Where yeah. I was like, I'm going to go ask people to put a grand in <laughs> made. Yeah. Now it helped that we're giving like 30 days free access to an actual piece of software that could do some of that, right? That that alleviated it a bit for me. Yeah. But uh, man, if if anything, I'll, I'll end with this. On uh, I remember when the first sale came through. We operate on Shopify. We're a Shopify website. All of our content. So, is so you got the ching. And we did the free launch, and I was like refreshing, refreshing. And when I saw uh-huh. that first like 9.95 come through from someone who wasn't my mom, kind of thing, that was also like the oh, it hits. Do you relate to all the e-commerce entrepreneurs you've yes. talked to now? 
Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. That's Two orders sense. in one day. I was like, Oh my gosh. But there is a gravity to that, that I want to just acknowledge of like, I take seriously the fact that someone's going to give that sort of, they're going to give that sort of value and I'm going to return it. So if you've got questions for me at Aaron Orndorf, Aaron at commonthreadco.com. I questions, we got free sample. You can check out that shows you most of it, but especially just like I've gotten hit up a lot of DMs with questions and that sort of stuff as from people who have bought it needing help. And uh, I'm here for it. Uh, it's, it's real. It's awesome. All right, man. That's great. You've heard it there. I think in terms of just the reality of the heart that's behind it, there is a real attempt to provide you value here. And I know, especially when you're selling knowledge, it's just so easy to think like a oh, guru nonsense. You know, it is just not that. I mean, when you, when you sent it to me, I was blown away. I opened it up. I, I when I heard white paper, I thought, oh, 40, 50 pages, like, you know, it'll be like really good, whatever. And then I saw the price, opened it, saw how long it was, and then saw the level of detail. I mean, the design work is really good in it. Like, it's like there has been real time and effort put into making sure this is is good. So, all right, that's great. Go uh, check out, you can reach out to Aaron on, on Twitter. All the, all the links, everything is in the show notes. Uh, so go check it out. All right. Like I said, at the end there, everything's in the show notes. Go check out the white paper, go get it there. Make sure that you grab that while it's still in a pre-order price. And then uh, Aaron, you can reach on Twitter at Aaron Orendorf, and you can reach me on Twitter as well at Andrew J. Ferris. As always, really appreciate you listening, giving us a little bit of our time or a little bit of your time. And you can help us out even if you don't go buy a $1,000 white paper, though that's the, the number one thing you could do. But you can help us out by giving us a rating and review, which we really appreciate every single time. Share it with a friend somebody who wants to get better in e-commerce and could use the help from this episode and the others in Backlog. So thanks as always. I hope everything is going well with you and your business. Aaron, you're still here. Tell the people goodbye. Goodbye, people. Thank you for spending (laughs) a bit of time with us. See you later.